Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses, so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, every plate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Life Listen Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. On today's episode, we're going to be chatting with Caleb Wild, author of the new book, Confessions of a Funeral Director. He is a funeral director, and he has lots of learnings from his experience about how death and an awareness of our own mortality can push us to live more fully. And then we are going to continue our skincare discussion that we started last week and talk a little bit about our evening skincare routines. But first, we're going to hear from Caleb. Caleb has been in the funeral business his entire life. He's going to tell us a little bit about that. 
And Caleb is the author of the book, Confessions of a Funeral Director, How the Business of Death Saved My Life. Okay, Caleb, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to talk to you about this. I'm excited to talk yeah. about death. That sounds weird. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm always talking about it. So this is, I was actually just in, in Hollywood the other day, and I don't think, are there any, do people die in Hollywood? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Like, Everyone lives no... forever from a mix of quaaludes <laughs> right. and Botox. <laughs> right. Like I, I, I didn't see any nursing homes. I didn't see any funeral. No. Home, and there wasn't any old people. We don't want to so look I... at those. Who wants to look at that, Caleb? We right. hide those away. <laughs> I, yeah, I felt out of place. I'm <laughs> actually 87 years old. <laughs> <laughs> That's our next podcast topic. Mm. And still having periods, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, look at you, regular listener. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So tell us where you're, where you are calling in from. You're in a unique location right now. I am. I am in a closet on the second floor of our funeral home because everywhere else, uh, believe it or not, is, it has people in it. Uh, so today, it's not too busy of a day, but we uh, had a family come in this morning, and then there's a family right now. So I'm tucked away, away from the noise. Yeah. So, I mean, give us a little background, you know, for those who don't know you. You grew up in the funeral home business, right? I played hide-and-go-seek in the casket room from <laughs> as young as I can remember. Most of our holidays were in the funeral home. Uh, so... It's a family-owned funeral home. It's not like a corporate-run funeral home where you have like a um, a mecca uh, funeral home that's beautiful and designed specifically for funerals. This these are old homes that have been converted to funeral homes, and my grandparents uh, lived in this home up until my grandmother died in '92. Uh, so it was kind of like a a space that one day was uh, a place for holidays and. Thanksgiving dinners, and the next day uh, it was a funeral home. It's so interesting. And so you really grew up with this this sort of um, acknowledgement of death because it was it was all around you. Yeah, death was quite normal for for me. I you know we'd go over to my grandparents, and there'd be somebody laid out in the next room, and we'd go in and and look to see what they looked like, and uh, you know kind of look them over and maybe if we were brave enough to reach out and touch their hands if my grandfather didn't see us. I actually, I'm kind of a unicorn. So uh, not only is my uh, paternal uh, family, my paternal grandparents, are they funeral directors, but my maternal were as well. So yeah, it comes from both sides. Uh, So no matter which grandparents' house I went to, uh, there were dead people. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. That is so wild. I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah. So I was kind of damned to do this. I mean, I, I didn't really have much of a choice. <laughs> well, I mean, did you, did you have a, you know, kind of that crisis in, in your adolescence or young adulthood of like, am I going to do this? Or was it just a given? I rebelled by doing humanitarian work. So oh, after, brother. Not <laughs> right. that. You're but the some, worst. <laughs> oh. I am. Yeah. Um, 
it was something life giving. So I, you know, I trekked uh, supplies to indigenous villages in Madagascar, did those type of things for two years uh, away from the funeral home. And then I ran out of money. And uh, that's uh, that'll do it. Kind of a reality. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> so I ended up uh, back here and uh, started to uh, go to school and and uh, cut out my own niche. Yeah. Although I feel like it could be said that, you know, what you do is humanitarian work as well. Do you feel like that? It took me a while to frame it that way. Uh, so I come from a pretty religious background. And I think most funeral directors are religious. There's, In fact, we were told in funeral school, if you want a good business, go to the biggest church. And if you want a really good business go to a couple of the biggest churches. So whether or not, you know, it's a personal thing, most funeral directors are somehow involved in some type of religious uh, uh, formality like church. So death, death is shamed uh, in religious cultures, especially, you know, uh, American Christianity. It's shamed on a, a, a couple fronts. And I never thought that there could be something good in death care. And it, it took me a while hmm. uh, to see, to reframe it. And talk about that, that shame, how, it, how death is shamed in our culture. Yeah, so mortality as a whole is, is shamed. Uh, we have, uh, we worship youth. But it's, it's on multiple fronts. Uh, you know, we, so for instance, we had a, a funeral a couple years back for somebody who OD'd, um, and the, which is quite common, uh, you know, I think we've probably had 20, maybe 25 to 30 overdose deaths this year already wow. that we've served, wow. and mainly heroin, but, uh, so it was a, it was a service, it was at a church, and this guy's best friend didn't show up, didn't show up. And we waited and we waited. The service was supposed to start. Somebody got a text. He's on his way. So we waited for him and he shows up and he's like fighting to get up to the casket, literally pushing back from his friends and uh, breaks down like in front of everybody. So the casket was positioned in front of the church. Everybody could see him just weeping over the chest of his friend and it kind of brought this sacred space into the church where all of a sudden everybody was fixated on grief and they felt permission to feel what they were feeling and everybody started crying. It was a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And the, the preacher, you know, ends it and gets up there and he just talks about how God is this great, big, strong God and uh, God stands firm in the midst of all of our turmoil. And uh, kind of the, the backhanded comment there is that all of these emotions, all of these weaknesses, uh, all of this humanity is somehow not like God. Mm. Um, mm. And so when, you know, I, I almost felt like when this guy came in and cried, that the, the chapel was brought into worship. 
if um, you know if we see if we see uh, God as somebody who is near the brokenhearted, or we see God as somebody that resonates with our own pain, then grief is not becoming less like God, but it's becoming more like God, or it's becoming more in tune with who we are. And so I, I felt as though the pastor got up, the whole place was worshiping, and all of a sudden he stopped it and mm. uh, kind of moved on to his own version of how he wanted to see things. And yeah, so that's sure, one yeah. way I think, you know, mortality is shamed, where we use this strong picture of God and we all try to be like that. And what we do as a result is we're not honest with our grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not honest with our needs, our vulnerabilities, and we're not honest with our mortality. Um, so I don't know how well um, we do with self-care around death. I, I, mm-hmm. I think we're, we, we suck at it because we, we suck at grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always looking for closure. Um, yeah. And we're o- always looking to end the process mm-hmm. uh, instead of uh, embracing the difficulty, embracing the grief. Uh, so if we can't acknowledge our grief, we're not going to be able to care for it very well. Right. And uh, yeah, you certainly see that a lot. Wow. Yeah. How do you feel like an awareness of our own mortality, you know, can can that push us to live more fully because I feel like we are all so scared of death, our own mortality, aging, but how does that maybe rob us from a fuller life? So I think that death is one of our greatest teachers. I think it's one of the greatest voices that we can have and meditate on consistently. I do. It's cheesy, you know, especially the the next tragedy that happens, the news anchor will invariably say, go home and hug your children today. And it's almost like it's it's so cliche, it's funny. That's right. Right. But it's very true. I mean, you look at a lot of meditative practices specifically focus on mortality and allowing the fact that we will die and inform our daily choices and our goal setting inform uh, so much of our lives and if we if we uh, don't allow that space in our lives uh, i think we rob ourselves of uh, life's perhaps greatest teacher what does self-care look like in the midst of grief mm. well i can speak to myself uh, when I first started the funeral, uh, the funeral business, so I, I just got done. I just got done meeting with a family who lost their um, newborn. Um, they it was healthy uh, up till the day mm. of birth, and it's something like that is devastating on a personal level. Uh, for me, when I first entered, I didn't think that I could keep going. Um, because I saw that stuff and it, it was, it's, on, it's like secondary trauma. It is secondary mm-hmm. trauma. It kind of rewires my brain. Yeah. Uh, I see darkness and I, I see all the sad and I can't see the good things. I think that's what it does. Like, 
Las Vegas, those tragedies, what they do is they kind of just make you myopic where all you can see is the dark. And it's almost like it's a rewiring where you can't see anything else. And I was, I was at that point of uh, not being able to see the good. Um, so for me, it was, first of all, I was recognizing how, am I allowed to cuss here? Are we we cussing in this (laughs) podcast? We wish. We wish. We've had to be bleeped many times. We can bleep. I'm glad I call myself. Yeah, we can. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, my life was up. It was really up for a number of years of being very close to the edge of not having anything else to give. And I think death does that to you. It kind of can take away your life as well. Uh, it, it can both give and it can take away. It can be mm. the thing that inspires. It can also be the thing that sucks life out of you. And I had to reframe for one. But I think the thing that I'm settling in on is I had to find the liminal spaces, the in-betweens, the thresholds. And what I mean by that is that for me, I had to acknowledge that I could be both whole and broken. And at one point in my life, I thought they were two separate things that didn't go hand in hand. I thought that I was either the strong one or the weak one. I was either the helper or I was the one being helped. I was either the humanitarian aid worker or I was the the one being served. Uh, But as I became more and more broke uh, through the different experiences that I had that I wasn't prepared for at all. So um, the liminal space was beginning to acknowledge that I could exist doing both. Because mm-hmm. I felt, the more broken I felt, the more I felt like I needed to remove myself from the business uh, and from death care. But I started to become more comfortable in the in-between of acknowledging that I was both whole and broken, that I could be both the one who's being helped and the one who was helping. And that was, that was key Um, So, yeah, so I think that self-care and grief, it's a new normal. And it's being okay to sit in the tensions of being broken and whole. Mm -hmm. And it's also looking for the spaces that we initially don't see that are beautiful. And death creates a lot of beautiful things. It can bring out the best in people. But yeah, yeah, I think it's so eloquent what you just said, though, the whole whole versus broken. And I think anyone can apply that to so many different parts of their own life. You know, it's just it's just not black and white. There's there's so much nuance there. Yes. And to be able to get to that point where you realize that, like you said, you can be both. You can yeah. operate in both of those. I mean, that's just a great way of living. 
Yeah, we love binaries. Uh, we well, love yes, yeah. don't we? Don't we? <laughs> yeah, Black we or white? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yes or no. Yes. Uh, but death death exists in liminal spaces. It's always in between. And to embrace, and that's part of the problem too, our binary approach to death. Is it possible that you can be both dead and alive? Is it possible that somebody can be both absent and present? And Yes, I I think it can in death. Uh, If we enter it with, they are gone and they are gone for good, and there's no residue of their presence, uh, there's nothing left, uh, then it is deeper and darker than if we say it's possible for them to be gone and yet still living in us, uh, Mm -hmm. still living in their community. Uh, There's still residue of their life Mm -hmm. all around and finding that residue and and seeing that it's not either or that it's both in your book you talk about this this practice of active remembering talk to us about what that means yeah so it it's basically the idea that we don't give any space to the dead in our lives so like we have a cemetery but cemeteries are no longer in like the, the more and more people are getting cremated uh, which I have nothing against, uh, and I just preface all this by saying that. But when we're moving all around uh, after jobs and so forth, we don't have the same community ties to the same cemeteries. We don't have any spaces anymore that are for the dead. All of our spaces are mm. for the living, uh, and I think that's uh, I think that robs us. You know, a part of our, our history is what. Uh, enables us to feel whole in the present and it gives us strength for the future and we too often cut off our history because maybe it's too hard or we've sought after closure and god i'm done with those emotions now let's just cut them off and move on but i think if we allow the dead to have space in our lives it 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 helps us in the present and helps us in the future so active remembering for me i think that it just is the most honest and healthy for us to say, uh, here's some space uh, in our lives for you, whether that is uh, something weird like a shrine, which I've seen before, um, or just uh, pictures throughout the house, or talking with it with family and friends. Um, Allowing the dead space in our lives is, is something that I'm I, I think is super healthy for our grief, grief process. Yeah, and it's interesting because it feels like other cultures are better at this kind of active or intentional remembering. They they have practices like shrines or more interactive cemeteries or you know Dia de las Muertes where there's a day set yes. aside to remembering. And it, it does feel like our American culture doesn't really know how to do that so much. No, no, we don't. I think part of it's because we're still young. I mean, comparatively to all the other cultures in the country, we're one of mm. the younger countries. And, you know, we, we are so, we love boxing things. We love linear things. Uh, we love binary things. And these are things that we pursue so hard and the dead just don't exist in those spaces. Uh, they exist in the cyclic spaces and in, in the non-binary liminal spaces. Uh, And so 
culturally, we just have a bunch, a bunch of hurdles that we have to get through. And grief exists, you know, it's cyclic. It's not linear. Uh, mm-hmm. And as long as love exists, uh, closure doesn't happen. Because as long as there's love, there's grief. As long as there's love, there's still connection. As yeah. long as there's love, uh, there's still a sense where our loved ones are present with us. What are some ways that you care for yourself when dealing with so much heaviness? I have a subwoofer in the back of my car and I turn it up really loud. I'm not kidding. It's like, it's like cheap yoga. So it like centers you, the bass uh, kind of moves your body and get it tingling. That helps. Um, I, and I'm finding that I have to, I do have to meditate. Like if if it's just five minutes for me to to breathe, uh, focus on my breathing is super helpful. And then the concept of applying, and I know this sounds weird, but forgiving a situation, uh, forgiving what I just experienced, not because I was wronged, but because I need to let it go. So I don't know if we can apply the word forgiveness to something where I wasn't necessarily hurt today, but I experienced some type of harm. And I don't know what the word is for that. Like, how do I, what, what word can I use to describe myself letting that go? Um, and so forgiveness is something that I've settled on, even though I know it doesn't mm. work exactly, but being able to just breathe deep, let it go, use one of the meditation apps on my phone. Uh, interspersed with uh, an extra long drive in my car, uh, listening to some hip hop. Hey, that <laughs> sounds good. Hip hop solves all. <laughs> it, does. it does. Well, thank you so much, Caleb. We really appreciate it. Um, you have yes. So it's so interesting, and you've just um, imparted a lot of wisdom to us. So we really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for letting me talk and some of these undeveloped thoughts, letting me get them out there. It's helpful for me too. (laughs) And if you guys are interested in hearing more about Caleb's process with becoming death positive, we would encourage you to check out his book, which is very fascinating, Confessions of a Funeral Director. We will link up to it at selfiepodcast.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. 
spray. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. Wow. Um, Wow. Well, Sarah, do you want to go ahead and segue us from death to skincare routines? Because I'd love to hear how you do this. I really don't want to. I don't want to talk about skincare right now. <laughs> can no. we just can we just This is the most awkward pivot ever. Oh wow. This is this is the winner. The winner of the most awkward segue. There's gonna be no segue. So anyway, let's talk about evening skincare. <laughs> Routines. <laughs> Speaking of death. <laughs> how about death of the skin cells of your face? <laughs> don't I don't know. In the twilight of your evening. <laughs> 
Okay. Last, if you heard last week's podcast, we talked about our morning skincare routines and what we do, what we don't do. And we wanted to follow up with an evening skincare routine, which actually is very similar for me. I think it's pretty similar for you too, Kristen. Well, you know, I mean, my two steps of washing and putting a thing on my face, yeah, it's the same. <laughs> well, and if you did hear last week's podcast, you probably heard me get on my little soapbox shortly just about, it's not really about just making your skin look better. It's really about honoring your body, treating your body well, respecting your body well. And I have to say that I feel like the evening part of skincare is really important when we're looking into taking care of ourselves, right? I I completely agree. I feel like if you fall asleep without washing your face, like you need to get with your life. Like (laughs) there, there is something to washing your face off before bed that is is. just feels like it's in line with brushing your teeth of like basic living skills. Well, and also like just looking at it as actually washing away the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think we have talked ad nauseum about screens and what we're doing with our evenings and how it's so hard to pull ourselves away from them. And, you know, they're sitting right next to our bed. So to me, my evening skincare routine is very ritualistic in nature and that every night I do the same thing. And it's, it's like my own meditation. So not only am I washing my face and treating it, I'm actually taking the time to slow down, to do something that's tactile with my fingers, because I will say that at night, I actually do employ facial massage. Of course you do. (laughs) Well, I do because it is actually really good for wrinkles, but no, it's just, it's a a way of soothing myself. And I really want more people to do this. I want them to take five minutes. You don't have to massage your face. You don't have to touch your face. You don't have to rub it all up, but just take that time to be like, okay, taking a deep breath, going to clean my face, moisturize my face. Just take that time for you. It's like your time to honor yourself. Am I right? And I do think, yeah. And I think that there is there is something to you. And for me, I might like lay in bed. I might look at my phone. But it's like when I get up to go wash my face, that's like it's really bedtime. You know, like yes. that's kind of the trigger, almost like a mental like delineation in the day of like it is time for bed. Absolutely. And so when you cleanse, it's just you're just closing down that day the day, Mm -hmm. put it all away. And so, and if you do have an extra five minutes, which I really believe that most people do when we just, you know, we talked about last week about how the average American spends eight hours a day on a screen, yet we We can all find five minutes. We can find five minutes to take care of our bodies and our skin. Absolutely. So one thing I did want to talk about that we did not talk about last week, um, cleansing wise, I did tell you all about my very favorite foaming cleanser ever. One Love Organics makes it. It's a gentle foaming cleanser for the face. You can use it on your body. It smells like pineapple. It's amazing, but it's really amazing because it takes off all of your eye makeup. Like you can rub it. I can actually have my contacts in and rub my eyes and even have my eyes open and it doesn't sting your eyes and it takes everything off. Oh, wow. For me, I think... It's really hard for me to find a cleanser that takes all of the mascara off. It, you know, it takes most of it off yes. and there's some underneath. No, no, no. This takes everything off first. I'm telling you, if there is one thing you need to buy in this world, people, 
It is this cleanser. <laughs> well, I do need to buy it because do you know what I use to remove my mascara? Don't tell me Vaseline. Um, cold cream, like cold oh, cream, God. like my mom like used ponds? and my grand. Yes, literally yeah. ponds, cold cream. I just, I don't know. I'm sure it's so toxic. It's probably made it's of Vaseline. Good. It's probably made of, of Vaseline and cancer. But <laughs> <laughs> Petrolatum, cancer, and Vaseline. But I don't know. It just, it feels like it takes it off without, you know, I don't know, wrecking okay. my face. So you take everything off with cold cream. No, no, no. Only my mascara. Okay, so how about this? What if you use this and you just do everything on your face and you wash it away and you're done? Yes, no, that sounds amazing. I'm it sold. Is, I'm, I'm in. I'm telling you, I don't know. <laughs> I, want to, I, I want to yell this from the mountaintops because I have tried so many and nothing works like this stuff works. And you can use it on your body, your kids, your hair. It's just, it's amazing. So we're going to link to that at selfiepodcast.com. But there's another method that you can do if you have more time and you're wanting to employ a little bit of facial massage, and that's oil cleansing. So yes. we've talked tons about oils. We now, we, you know, we don't need to really revisit it. Listen to last week if you didn't have a chance. But basically, you know, the myth that oils cause you to break out, and it, it really is a myth. Yeah. Um, most naturally occurring oils actually hydrate. They absorb well. They're not going to clog pores. So a lot of people have started to oil cleanse. So there's specific cleansing oils that you put on your face. You rub it in. Um, and usually they have a little bit of slip. So if you do want to spend a little bit of time kind of rubbing your face in circular motions, it helps with lymph drainage. It's so good for your immune system. You can kind of, it's like a two-in-one punch that you can use it to get the makeup off, but also massage. Yeah, and oil really, it is a great way to get mascara off your face. It is. Now, I will say that I don't employ this a lot. This is probably like once or twice a week when I really have the time and, or actually I have the time. If I actually want to spend my time doing it, that's what I'll do. And I love it. And I'm going to actually link to a video that Lisa Eldridge did, who's my favorite makeup artist in the whole wide world. I'm sure many of you have heard of her. She has a YouTube channel. She's amazing. She's British. Her accent's amazing. It's just like, oh, I love her. So she does facial massage like I think every night her mom did it. It's just like a generational thing. She looks amazing. She's almost 50 or 46 six or seven. She doesn't have a wrinkle on her face. And she says it's because she massages her face. And if you've ever done it before with an oil, you'll realize after three or four minutes, your face is bright red. And it's not because it's irritated. It's because the blood has all rushed to the surface. So if you think about it, I mean, it does keep you, it can keep you very youthful looking, but it does take a little extra time. So, yeah. but if you are really looking into ways that you can employ self-care and a ritual in the evening for yourself, that would be a perfect one because it's so relaxing. It almost puts you to sleep. And this link shows you different ways to do it on your face. There's all sorts of facial yoga. Facial yoga? Oh, oh, girl. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Let me just say that. <laughs> Go, I mean, well, think about it. Why do you do yoga for the body? to engage the muscles, to increase circulation. Why would it be any different in regards to facial muscles? That's one thing you can definitely do at night if you're looking for a way to wind down because it really is relaxing. I take my, the pads of my fingers and kind of trace them in circles around my eyes, you know, over my eyebrows and down below. And that's a way to drain the lymph in your face. Mm -hmm. But it's so relaxing. I literally kind of 
it's like I could fall asleep while I'm doing it. It feels really, really good. So that's one thing to look into if you're wanting to add to your nighttime um, skincare routine. So I usually cleanse or do that. And then I, you know, still use the same oil that I use in the morning by Maya Chia. She makes this great oil. It's made from chia seeds, which is really, really high in omegas, which is great. But there's also another one made by Maya Chia called the Super Couple, which is chia oil, but it has the addition of, I believe it's pronounced astaxanthin, which has been shown in studies to be 65 times stronger than vitamin C and 14 times stronger than vitamin E in combating free radicals. So I use that in the evenings. So yeah, pretty easy. My, my thing about evening skincare is it's not so much what you're using is that you're just taking the time to really make it relaxing and kind of like a ritual. What about Absolutely. you? Well, yeah. So I wash my face. I use um, the um, Drunk Elephant um, cleansing bar, which is not an actual soap, but it feels like it. It lathers. It feels like it gets everything really clean. I do that. And then I wipe the pawns on my eyes, which I know I shouldn't. Um, and then I follow that up with the drunk elephant serum, the night serum. Um, and that's, that's really all I do. I'm in love. Like I said, in our last episode in this with the drunk elephant line, although, although I will say that I've been able to find, a, a pretty decent replica of the Drunk Elephant product that I use at night on Amazon, and it's called Super Six Serum. And it basically has all of the same ingredients, but it's $16 oh my gosh. instead of a lot more. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So I'll link that up on selfiepodcast.com. But yeah, so it has um, Super Six Serum, $16. It has amazing reviews on Amazon. It has vitamin C, hyaluronic acid, 2.5% retinol, CoQ10, and then that thing you just said, astaxanthin. Oh, it's in there. Yeah, that's it's great. It's in there. So it's got all the good stuff. Um, but it's, you know, again, it's a, just a knockoff brand. So I right. use that or the drunk elephant, which is a little more spendy. Exactly. And I have to say, just being the the green queen here, that you need to make sure that everything's sourced from a quality, yes. reputable. Sometimes you get into that situation when you're seeing really, really low prices, that mm -hmm. the ingredients themselves are sourced. Um, and a lot of those ingredients can be contaminated very easily. So you just want to make sure... Well, what if it's organic? Is that a good indication that things are sourced well if it's organic or not necessarily? No, not necessarily. No. Honestly, like this is a whole, this could be like a whole podcast, but there's so many different certifications for organic. Some of them are very rigorous and some of them are not mm. rigorous at all. So it depends on what's the certification on the organic. Okay. So yeah, it's just like once, I think I said maybe last week when I was talking about just be sure when you're looking for a product that you are, it, that it's a brand that you trust that you have used the brand for something else or do a little research on the brand, see where they're sourcing their ingredients because that's where the problem lies. So Sarah, I do cleanse and then I do a serum. Do you, I'm guessing you have a few more steps than I do. Well, I just, like I said, I have the, the cleansing that I do at night and then do I- you tone at night? I do tone just because I have my toner. My favorite toner is by Moon, which is actually spelled M-U-N. We'll link to it at selfiepodcast.com. And it has just 
Bulgarian rose water. I don't know what makes it so special that it's Bulgarian. <laughs> it's like it's rose <laughs> water and it has the hyaluronic acid in it, which I do want to say basically most of the acids they all work the same and that they're kind of like a chemical exfoliant and they work at unclogging pores and treating blackheads. Um, it's just a chemical exfoliant, right? But hyaluronic acid, even though it's called an acid, it doesn't really do that. It's actually, in, it's a humectant. So it actually attracts water to skin. So if you're using hyaluronic acid, it's not because you're trying to slough off. It's because because you're trying to plump up your skin with more moisture. So my toner has hyaluronic acid in it, which is great because it kind of plumps up my skin. It balances the pH of my skin and gets it ready for the next step, which is a serum. But my serum is kind of a serum, oil, and moisturizer all in one. So I just do the cleansing, I do the toning, and then I treat with my serum, which is by Maya Chia, which I said earlier, it's called the super couple. I'll either use that one or I'll use just the plain Chia oil one by Maya Chia, which I really like. And now the serum I use does not have a moisturizer and technically it's meant to be used. And then you wait until it's completely dry and then you add your moisturizer on top. So the Drunk Elephant line has a marula oil that you follow after the serum. But rather than using their marula oil, which I it's very spendy, um, I use a USDA certified organic hemp oil, hemp seed oil on my face at night. It's $16 on Amazon.com. Um, I feel like it's sourced well and it works, it works nicely without being $50 a bottle. I would always recommend always, always, always going to the Skin Deep website at the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. We will link to it. They have a part of the website called Skin Deep that you can enter in any ingredient or any product and it can tell you what's in it, what's good in it, what's bad in it, what to look out for. Um, it has been a wealth of information for me over the past couple of years as I've transitioned into green beauty. Then Absolutely. also, I love this app. It's called Think Dirty. It kind Ooh, of- I don't know about oh, this. Oh, get ready. It's so good. <laughs> Think Dirty. It operates in the same way that Skin Deep does from EWG, but it's an app and it actually has a scannable barcode. So when you're at the grocery store or you know at a beauty shop- you can scan the barcode on the product and it pops it right up <gasps> and oh, tells you everything cool. in it. Now, cool. the the developers of Think Dirty are, are very super, super clean and super green. So things you sometimes you're probably going to be like, oh my God, am womp, I really womp, using womp. this? Yeah, but it's been really, really <laughs> helpful. So I recommend using those two if you want to really get down to the nitty gritty on what are these products that you're using. Got it. And the only other thing that I would recommend doing at night that I do is, you know, masking if you have time. I love using masks. I have so many masks. That's where I feel like the big changes happen with my skin are the different masks that I use. And I will link to, uh, let's say, my top four or five on Selfie Podcast. So do you, you use some that are more um, like pulling out impurities and then yes. use some that are more moisturizing. Oh, yeah. Kind of rotate between those. So maybe I'll put one like my favorite for glow, my favorite exfoliator, my favorite for imparting moisture. I'll just put a, a nice awesome. little gathering of them. Yeah. But I really recommend it. I think masking is huge for the health of your skin. Yeah. I need to get on that more. Oh, I'll get you on it. 
Don't worry. <laughs> Believe it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to Shepherd Audio for our intro music. Take care.